there it goes. All right. <laughs> anyone, anyone that's listening in, we don't have it. No one's listening in, are they? No. no one's had time. To, no one. No, our our friend from Portugal hasn't had time to jump in, and I don't think he's been there in like a year. That's a shame. We must have. Well, we probably. It's probably our fault that he's not come back. Probably. <laughs> it was Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo was watching this. From really afar. interested in this team. Uh, these guys. Talking Jeez, about glory signing before we even like before the stadium bills passed. Oh, I would lo- I would love to see a Cristiano Ronaldo level player having to play at RFK for a full season. It would be awful. <laughs> Well, it was it was like the the Beckham book said like any time that there was like an issue um, during during the um, gullet years like he you know he would basically yell this is highly outrageous. <laughs> so that's that's the thing I always go back to. It would yeah. still be better than uh, we get them just show them Gillette Field and then bring them to RFK and it'll be worlds better by comparison. <laughs> right, like look, it's grass, real grass. <laughs> wow. Well. Speaking of which, uh, uh, Gallardo, this is the way we're going to start the show. Uh, Marcelo Gallardo actually is uh, either about to win or has won the Argentine League as a coach. I think he just won it. He just yeah, won, with, yeah. With River Plate, um, which is kind of ridiculous because now uh, both him and Juan Sebastian Verón, the guy we, we should have signed and we couldn't sign uh, in that year, uh, have both gone on to win the Argentine League or... Verone also won the Libertadores that season as well. So, everyone we missed on uh, in 2008 has gone on to great success. How's Gonzalo Martinez doing? No, we didn't miss on him. Uh, <laughs> that was the problem. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he had like a third of a season where he was paying attention and then apparently just stopped listening to anyone and did whatever he wanted. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, which is not really what you want for a defender. What about Fred? Out. Can we? Re- how about we re-sign Fred? For the <laughs> He's out there. Yeah. We could do it. Uh, I think he would be 39 this coming season. Sounds great. Um, I mean, if he's going to be nicknamed Grandpa, we might as well keep playing him until he actually stops wanting to play. Or until he actually has grandkids. Yeah, I guess that. I mean, he has children. It's going to be a while. <laughs> You know what it was? I think um, Gallardo won the. I, I think they may be about to win the league, but um, I think they just won Copa Sudamericana. Is that what they won? Yeah, I think that's what okay. Another another two thousand eight uh, memory of sadness. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Um, I guess, and that's as good a place as any to start with. Hey, hey, welcome in. Uh, <laughs> This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Uh, Adam is out. He is uh, trying not to die of some sort of terrible malady or goat-based illness. Um, for some reason, my head was going to, uh, like, like uh, an alien had gotten him, and he was going to have the alien pop out. But, uh, but maybe a goat can do that. I don't know. I don't know what goats do. <laughs> um, we just like to talk. We're goat enthusiasts. We're not experts uh, on goats. Um so we have it's me Ben. This is Jason. I'm me, uh, and Ryan has stepped in for Adam, uh, and he's not going to hold us back from tangents and goat talk. Uh, so prepare for chaos, um, and prepare for this to go long. <laughs> this is going to be a 72 hour long podcast. So settle in. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna show those people at Serial how it's done. 
<laughs> Do you think their detailed maps and, and their, their pleasantly linked uh, shows are what people want? We'll show them. <laughs> um, Adam is they? suffering from foot rot, by the way. Foot rot? Oh, foot rot that's in, definitely from goats. Foot rot in goat. Maybe, awesome. I mean, he has a small yard. There's enough room to keep a goat in front of that house. That's true. That's Maybe true. he should, if he kept a goat, he would be immune to these things, I think. Um, just from exposure. You repeatedly expose yourself to things, and you're fine. That's what that's what goats are for. Um, I guess uh, this is already getting out of hand. Um, <laughs> so I'm, just, I'm going to abruptly jump to, uh, Ryan, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking Long Winter's Nap by uh, by Blue Mountain. That's a good um, one. It's their well, I think they they market it as a triple buck, um, and it, it kind of comes in at about ten. It's it's really good. It, you don't you don't get the the booze as much. It's it's uh, a, a little bit sneaky, but uh, you know once it does come up on you, it does it, it does the job as as one who's Last beer yesterday was was Dogfish's Raison Dextra, <clears throat> but I figured I'd I'd switch over to uh, to Blue Mountain in tribute of the uh, NCAA uh, Cup Men's <laughs> Champion University of Virginia. You, you mean the, the champions at bus parking? I bus parking still gets you a trophy. I I, I don't Apparently. know where, where where's Maryland's trophy this year. Uh, they tried to attack, uh, and it turns out that attacking in soccer is a horrible decision, um, because they fe- they <laughs> fell prey to the same team that Virginia bunkered against, and that turned out to be a game of what three shots attempted for the entire match. Um, anyway, that well, we might get to that. I, I might just <laughs> complain about that, or we might run out of time. We're probably gonna run out of time. Um, ben, what are you drinking? Um. I decided to pull up what's left in my fridge, and uh, so I we had a little bit of apple cider left, real apple cider, cloudy apple cider, not this monstrosity that is uh, clear, translucent apple cider. I don't know what that is. And just throw a little bit of bourbon in, and it's quite nice. delicious. What kind of bourbon do you put in? Evan Williams. Evan Williams Black is my go-to for okay. all of my mixing purposes. Uh, yeah, it, it's reasonably priced. It's tasty. Um, yeah, so it, it fills a number of purposes. So that's what I go with. Nice. Uh, I I think it was it two weeks ago. I mentioned that I was trying to make um, a bourbon. Uh, I put bourbon over apple peels with cinnamon stick and uh, some cloves. It did not turn out well. It didn't turn out horribly. It just didn't turn out well. It just didn't taste very good. Uh, so I'm going to have to get some cider to put that bourbon in, because otherwise I don't really know what else to do with it other than throw it away. Did, um, you, give, did you give it enough time to, to I guess, steep, for uh, lack of a better word? The, the, the recipe said to give it a full week, which I did, um, and it also said to remove the cinnamon stick and cloves after about two days so it doesn't taste like potpourri. Yeah. So I did all that, uh, and it's still just... I, I, I can't put my finger on what's bad about it. It's just everything about it isn't very good. But uh, I assume that in some cider it might be better. Um, so I haven't thrown it away yet, but uh, I don't really know what else to do with it other than get cider and mix those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, as for me, uh, I'm drinking uh, a different bourbon. I'm actually drinking rye, um, filibuster rye, but I made myself an old-fashioned, old-fashioned um, 
with a little extra dash of, uh, maybe one or two extra dashes of bitters after watching uh, UVA put 17 <laughs> or 18 men behind the ball uh, for, for 120 minutes. Uh, feel it, the magic of playoffs. Uh, feel the magic of George Gelnovac soccer in general. <laughs> um, so I guess uh, before we spin out too badly, um, we actually have, uh, for the first time since I, on occasion when I'm hosting, I actually have notes to keep us on track. They're not extensive. Uh, they're not going to help. Um, but it's nice to pretend. Uh, first up, uh, we're two days away now from the uh, potentially climactic stadium vote before the city council. Um the council chairman, Phil Mendelson, and still mayor, Vince Gray, uh, after looking like they were going to have some sort of uh, kerfuffle that was going to delay things or cause a problem, they came to came to an agreement, uh, was it last Thursday, I guess, was the day that they talked it out. I think so. And, and uh, so the financing is in place. Um, the bill has already passed without any real objections. The first time it sort of was an anticlimax that time. Uh, this time it's a uh, for real. This is the this is the vote for keeps. It's, it doesn't mean that the stadium will happen on the timeline we want it to, but uh, if the vote if this passes, there's nothing standing in the way. Other there are delays, but there are not things that could kill it. Other than I guess like total economic collapse or societal collapse, which in in which case we have bigger concerns, um, <laughs> like staying alive uh, and and preserving what food you have that's uh, non perishable. Would be a hell of a denouement considering the stadium over the years. I would still go build the stadium. Uh, in the event of societal collapse, you will find me at Buzzard Point building a stadium and fighting <laughs> off anyone that tries to stop me. So if you have an Orcs and Crike style societal meltdown, you'll just be there eking out your last moments building a DC United stadium. Yeah, I mean, I've got my pile of bricks, so um, I'll build as much as I can with that pile, and then I guess I'll go hunting for more bricks. That's the best version of Night of the Comet ever. <laughs> uh, I, I was just looking it up now. It, it is on the non-consent agenda for <laughs> the uh, December 17th meeting, which just means they're going to have to vote on it individually. Right. Uh, which I think is fairly normal for the second readings on bills. So, because last time it was on the consent agenda, which is why that and like seventeen other things were all voted on at the same time. Exactly. And it it at, Ben kept track of it very well. That day I had barely any sleep, so I couldn't figure out what was going on. My mind was sort of gone, and I I think on three different occasions I was like, all right, I think that was the the yes for the whole thing. So next, moving on, it was like no, no, that's wrong. And then we had a a solid half hour uh, digression onto the Hopscotch Bridge, uh, at which point, at some point during that, I was like, did, they must have voted on it, and I just wasn't paying attention. But no, they they yeah. did eventually vote on it, and that also sort of got past me. Well, yeah, they voted on it twice that day, that which is yes. why it was confusing. But this time on on Wednesday, there will be there will be a specific vote just on it. It is Bill twenty eight oh five. Which yes. is helpful to know in legalese, and they will vote on it. Hopefully, it'll pass without objection, just like it did uh, the first time around, and in the uh, budget meeting and in all the committee meetings. Uh, I mean, come on! Even David Catania voted for the DC United Stadium the first time around, so it, you have to think it's going to pass the second time around. 
It's certainly, or, there, there's or, no or one the out there that's... Go ahead. Or the singularity will happen and the whole world will just implode immediately before the stadium boat happens. Then I wouldn't even be able to get a chance to go build my uh, haphazard brick stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Featuring a field made up of stolen clumps of grass I went and got. <laughs> <laughs> Which I would do. I would finish this. If, if I stayed alive long enough, I would finish the stadium. Yeah, just go to just go to RFK, steal all of its grass, just bring it down There's, to Buster that's Point. Not, that's too long of a, a trip. I would just go find whatever grass was nearby. Um <laughs> There's I saw grass, some of this. There, there's grass at Nats Park. There you go. There's there plenty you go. there, there and that's actually, I, my solution was going to be like I saw that there are like weeds growing up between the cracks in the street <laughs> and the sidewalk uh, in Buzzard Point. I was just going to grab that and sort of make a square out of it. Um, but if if stealing from Nats Park would actually uh, make me feel even better about the whole thing. <laughs> Plus, I feel like that would be a very, uh, if you're going to go out during societal collapse, I feel like some sort of battle to the death inside a stadium is pretty awesome. True. Um, so. I've, also, I've also heard there's a park uh, kind of across the river from uh, the National Stadium. I believe it's called uh, Poplar Point. Have you no, heard no of one's ever before? heard of that. Doesn't it doesn't exist. No. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you could get some grass there, though. No, I bet if I go there, uh, Adrian Fenty will be there, and he'll he will have more weapons than me. <laughs> with with a mask on, he's the last he's the last uh, council mayor, and yeah, it, it'll be uh, like uh, most of the scenes in the movie The Warriors, except uh, instead of uh, I, I get the feeling in that movie he'll end up being the Warriors, and I'll be uh, like the Turnbull Aces who don't beat the Warriors on their quest to Coney Island. Uh, for anyone that hasn't seen the movie, it's about a gang getting on the subway and going home, but going the wrong way over and over again. <laughs> also, it's kind of a Greek mythology thing, but mostly it's about a gang that gets lost. It's a good movie. <laughs> or something. I own it on DVD. I actually have it. Anyway, uh... <laughs> I feel like that's going to be the word of the night when we we've run out of things to say on a topic. Uh, is there anything else we need to say about the stadium boat? It's it's on Wednesday. Cross everything you have: your fingers, your toes, your yes. hair follicles, your teeth. I I plan on going to the to the the boat, so I should be in the room unless I'm stopped by the warriors or Mad Max. Or, or, yeah, or any any post-apocalyptic and or uh, gang movie that isn't terrible. Although I, I guess Mad Max is kind of colored by Mel Gibson's presence. You got to deal with that whole thing. But isn't that what isn't that what happens with everything now? All of our popular entertainers turn out to be terrible. Uh, yeah. So Wednesday morning, <laughs> the uh, stadium vote. Um, and just hope that no popular entertainer takes up the cause between now and then. They'll definitely ruin it with their past deeds. Uh, moving on up to past a different past deed, uh, Fabian Espindola is going to be suspended for the first six games of the 2015 season. Uh, that won't affect the CONCACAF Champions League, but it will affect about 18% of DC United's MLS campaign next season. Uh, he shoved uh, assistant referee George Gansner uh, in the what turns out po- probably arguably false belief that the ball had gone out of bounds about 10 seconds before uh, Peggy Loyandula scored the goal that knocked us out of the playoffs. Um, 
Espino was angry about it at the time, and then I guess did not forget in the ensuing 40 minutes or so. Um, clearly shoved Gansner, uh, despite several people's attempts to stop that from happening. Uh, and uh, you can't shove a referee, and you especially can't shove a referee when you've already been suspended by the... Or I guess he wasn't suspended, but the disciplinary committee has has come down against Fabian Espindola on a few occasions um, when they could have uh, helped him out at Red Bull Arena when he didn't do anything wrong. Um, so he's out for six games. Uh, DC United's going to have to do something in that that period of time. Uh, ben, I'll throw it to you. Uh, how 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 bad is this uh, in terms of the whole season next year? I mean, yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, 20% of the season for your best player being out and when the team, when the team is saying that they're not going to make dramatic moves, uh, it's pretty bad. I mean, luckily they have the flexibility with, uh, Chris Rolfe and Chris Pontius. They can move some of those guys up top. They've still got Eddie Johnson, obviously. They, uh, Luis Silva will be back. So they've got options, but obviously, Fabian Espindola was going to start over all of those people. He was obviously going to be the first choice forward, uh, regardless of anybody else. So him being out for a fifth of the season is pretty terrible. Um, I guess the only silver lining is the fact that it makes CONCACAF Champions League uh, balancing a little bit easier because obviously he's going to go the full 90 in any and all CONCACAF Champions League games uh, that we have early in the season. I mean, obviously the games against uh, Aluhalense, he's going to go the uh, full 90 minutes in both of those games. So that's the only silver lining, but it's still not great because he was going to go the full 90 anyway because it's before the season starts and then maybe in the first week is the return leg. So, yeah, not great, Bob. <laughs> Ryan, uh, what do you what do you think as far as um, the fairness of this? Or did you did you expect six games, or were you expecting uh, fewer than that? Well, I, I kind of did a bit of quick digging, and I think he got a <clears throat> excuse me. I think he got a, a red for violent conduct, and I think the I, I think it's a little bit kind of misstating things. He got he got four, I think, for the the whole issue after the card, and got two for the card. If if I've read it right. I believe that's correct. I mean, it's it's splitting hairs nonetheless. But, um, I mean, you know, Sebastian Fernandez, I think it was, basically got up and, and Mark Geiger's face didn't touch him as far as I could tell after after Dallas got bounced and got four out of that. So you, you figure that, you know, maybe he got, like, either, like, two for, for touching him or one for continuing to resist people holding him back and then another for touching him. I mean, I, I don't know you know, what, what's going on in the minds of, of, of MLS disco these days. Um, it's, it's absolutely warranted. You, you can't, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a cardinal thing in, in sports aside from, you know, not, you know, punching someone in the, in the stands or anything. I mean, don't touch an official. It's, it's basic stuff. So, I mean, they, like, like Ben said, you know, the, the upside is that we get Fabian Espindola for 90 minutes in both legs of, of the uh, Champions League before the season starts, so that'll be good. Um, you know, and, and then the other thing to consider is is what kind of training yeah. there, there's going to be in the run-up to the season. I think I saw today that, that uh, 
Chris Rolf got his his stitches out from his uh, from his arm from surgery. So you're gonna get, you're gonna have him back in some form. You're gonna have Chris Pontius back in some form. Knock on wood for both of those guys. Um, you know, and and then you know you've you've got some some tools there. It's it's a matter of making sure those tools work. Um, Rolf and Pontius have, have got to work well in some manner or fashion, and and. Uh, Figure out how to incorporate them with with Luis Silva, Eddie Johnson, Nick DeLeon at all, and you know see see who we're playing the first six games of the year and and where uh, where we go from there. I mean, it's it's bad, but you know there there's still a couple of unknowns in terms of figuring out how bad it would be. I mean, you know, we, we could be on a West Coast trip for the first three games against LA, RSL, and Seattle. You know. I, I do think I think um, I was actually jotting this down. Um, I think right before MLS Cup, it occurred to me that uh, LA will be here because we played at LA last year. Well, I mean, I'm just you know throwing yeah. throwing it out. No, for I know, sake but, of, but of we, the exercise. Yeah, we are catching a couple breaks. LA and RSL were away games this year. Um, so if MLS decides to throw us the worst of the worst possible early season schedule. Um, they're going to have to give us some other, you know, Seattle and um, FC Dallas maybe as the road game, something like that. Yeah, if, I mean, if it's, they really want to kill us. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think that. I mean, I'm presuming that that's not in in minds when it comes to logistics. There's, you right. Know, we're, we are still playing in the East, so I mean, you know, there, there's going to be a game or two against Montreal and and Orlando, and you know, it's it's not going to be as bad, I figure. But you know, there, there's still a couple of things to to determine in terms of gauging that accurately. I think. Right. And I guess the other question we have to deal with is um the the straightforward. Who do you guys want to see? Do you do you want to see Eddie Johnson take the uh, take the the role of a spindle and see if he and Silva can uh, build on what wasn't necessarily the smoothest part- partnership? Even though I guess stylistically those two kind of go together pretty well, um, but it doesn't necessarily. I mean, stylist it, like on paper, a spindle and Silva doesn't really make sense as a partnership, um, and yet it it's clearly the best partnership we have. Um, would you guys want to see Johnson uh, get a shot at that, or are you thinking about the possibility of Chris Pontius uh, pulling wide as a forward and, and sort of doing an Espindola impression uh, without necessarily... I, I don't think he's going to grow his hair out like a Espindola, and I don't think he's going to be quite as furious all the time, but uh, uh, he can do a lot of the other stuff that a Espindola does in, in, in his own way, but it not, not too dissimilar. Um so are, are you guys looking for that, or are you looking for something else entirely different? I mean, Eddie Johnson be able to step up and lay claim to that position and just lock it down. I mean, as a DP, that is something that he should be able to do in theory. So that is my first choice, that he proves himself able to just beat all comers and lay claim to that position by himself. But... If it turns out that it has to be Chris Rolf or Chris Pontius up there, I think I think Rolf and Silva is a little is a little almost a little too similar, but I think it would still work well. But uh, any combination of those uh, three players would probably be a very interesting attacking uh, a, attacking partnership, and 
give a lot of teams something that they're not used to seeing. So I could see that working out well uh, as well. I'm, I'm not entirely sure with uh, that. I that I kind of buy the premise of, of EJ take, taking over the the spindle role per se. Um, because you, you're still going to need someone to kind of, you know, get up against a center back and maybe win a ball in the air or, or hold up the ball if, if there's, you know, some sort of counter or some sort of attack going on. Um, it would be nice to have Silva kind of assume that role to a degree, know that he's got kind of the area to do it, um, and hopefully he stays healthy this year in order to do it. Um I would probably bet more along the lines that that Wolf would would kind of serve that role similar to what he was doing off and on in Chicago, kind of being being pulled back but ahead of the midfield a little bit with with that that time to kind of do stuff like that. But you know, we'll, we'll see if they get what they got. Yeah, it it should be an interesting preseason, knowing that that that's built in uh, prepping for. Life with and without a spindle has to be on Olsen's mind. Um, he can't just practice for last season. Obviously, the the preseason was full of different lineups. We had I think three different formations we attempted. Um, Spindola played his his first like full hour of play with the other regular starters was actually played as a right winger. Um, so there was a certain amount of experimentation last year. This year, that's that's not really on the table. Um, I, I think our time is going to be kind of eaten up by prepping for the Champions League game, uh, or games, I should say, um, getting getting the team well-drilled in what they're familiar with, the, the 4-4-2 we saw. And then after that, um, I don't imagine we'll see an MLS uh, a league play formation change, but um, at the same time, Silva's been somewhat injury-prone in his career. Chris Rolfe has been more than somewhat injury prone. Uh, Chris Pontius, uh, at this point, we're just thankful anytime he's able to play. Um, so whenever there's still concerns, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And and whenever you go through a preseason when guys have been off, um, and I know Olsen, I think in two different interviews this off season has emphasized how important and how much he was emphatic with the players when they left. He said, you've got to come in fit. Um, because there's there's only going to be a month of preseason before we're playing Alo Valencia uh, at their stadium, um, and I I looked this up and and I'm I'm going to mention this again once the game comes closer. But their record in home games for um, in terms of goals against is something like three goals against in a, like eleven or twelve home games that they've played in the Champions League in this format. Um, they do not give up goals. Um, so going in there, we're going to have to be at our very best, um, and to lose someone like Silva or, or Rolf or Pontius, all of those guys are going to be important for that game. And, um, the fitness side of it, I mean, some of it you can't prevent, you know, we've, we've seen players get injured in ways that you just can't prevent. You can't, uh, legislate for Felipe attacking one of your players seven seconds into a match, um, you can't legislate for Chris Pontius get, ending up with a breaking his leg in a tackle that in which he was committing the foul. Um, but there are things you can plan for, and, and there's only so much the team can do, and a lot of that is just going to be on the players themselves and and how much they want to succeed in the Champions League. Um, 
how much they're going to prioritize it because if you if you spend the off season thinking it's going to be a normal off season, you're not going to be ready for uh, home and away. Uh, you know, one mistake and you're as we saw in the MLS playoffs, one mistake can send you home. Um, and this is going to be. I was kind of telling some of the people I, I tailgate with that are less familiar with with the Champions League that Alo Valencia is going to be kind of like um, in various NES uh, video games. Oftentimes the final boss was just the shadow version of yourself. Um, Alo Valencia in a lot of ways is going to be like the shadow version of DC United. They don't play the same formation, but they're still, they don't give up goals at home. Uh, they wear black and red and white. Um, and they're, they're well drilled and they're not necessarily going to... Uh, be amazing going forward, but they've got enough skill where in critical moments they will come up with the goods. Um, so it, it's going to be a challenging, a challenging game. And and then on top of that, we've got to then plan. You know, Olsen has to plan for that specific opponent, and then he's also got to plan for six games in the league uh, without a Spindolo, which is a a very different dynamic. Whether it's playing with Johnson and playing with a traditional target man or letting him wander around, or maybe he comes in and he wasn't interested in, uh, or as interested in fitness, and then all of a sudden you've got, is it is it going to be Pontius? Uh, it could be, who knows, we could draft a forward for all I know. Um, not, that, not that there are any particularly eye-catching uh, strikers in the college game right now, um, as we saw in the College Cup final, which was all about playing defenders. Um, These grapes so sour. <laughs> I will say, I, I want to say, though, that if it wasn't UVA, if it was just some random school like Creighton or, you know... Indiana. It, yeah, Indi- Indiana, uh, if they came into that game feeling like uh, negativity was caused or, or, or was the best way for them to win, um, they would have played roughly the same way, maybe not as severely defensive, but... Um, that was part of the problem was just that it could have been anyone um, and it would have been really bad and I would have been complaining about it. It's not just a Maryland, Virginia thing. It's, it's sure. Just, okay. Uh-huh. We believe you. <laughs> I also, I also need to acknowledge I was, I was the college cup uh, kiss of death. Uh, every single game that I watched uh, live or uh, online or on TV Every single game, the team that I preferred to win uh, lost every single time. <laughs> uh, I went to, so I guess I should apologize to my fellow Maryland fans. You hear uh, that, Sasho? Burn the witch. I should apologize <laughs> to uh, Georgetown fans. Uh, I was at Georgetown versus UVA in the rain. Um, I should apologize to UMBC fans. And then finally, I should apologize to UCLA fans. So really, I'm just going to be unpopular in a lot of different college campuses. Uh, for the, I'm sure, thousands and thousands of college soccer fans that are listening in right now. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll get away from... I think that's going to count as our College Cup segment. Um, <laughs> and we're going to now uh, go back to the professional game. Uh, the MLS expansion draft uh, was this past weekend. Uh, Orlando City and New York City got to take 10 players apiece Uh DC United was one of the few teams to lose two players. We weren't the first team to lose two players. That was New England. Um, though, <coughs> excuse me, in 
Uh, both cases, it was not the two Colorado players. Colorado was the second, surprisingly. Yes, uh, and in in all these cases, the players you would have expected were not the players gone. Even if you were told New England, Colorado, and D.C. would be the first three teams, you would not have expected these uh, players to be the ones selected. Um, the the whole thing kicked off with a also a strange surprise. Um, Orlando City decided that uh, perpetually injured Donovan Ricketts, who is probably injured as I say this, uh, was just pulled a hamstring. <laughs> the thing that gets me about Donovan Ricketts is that he often needs treatment from the sidelines. He doesn't come out, but he needs treatment for like his forearm or his calf or something in a game, and it takes like two minutes, and it, then he's fine. And it's not even time wasting. It's just like him. Uh, him it- I, just, him and Buna Kundul were like were were pros in like having one of their defenders take goal kicks for him. It was just yeah, man, alive. <laughs> um, which is always one of those uh, bizarre. It was a bizarre weekend for soccer. If anyone watched the Club World Cup, you might have seen uh, two teams play in an actual pool. Um, and then <laughs> uh, there was a confusing. Um, both center backs for Western Sydney Wanderers were sent off against Cruz Azul. There was confusion over both both sending offs were for two yellow cards, and all four yellow cards caused confusion. Um, and the game did go to overtime, in which Cruz Azul finally managed to win. And then in the Mexican final, there was a the, the game finished ten on eight, which says everything about what went on. Um, <laughs> lots of lots of red, even more red cards than you would have expected from the the Mexican League Championship. Anyway, um, New York, uh, their first pick uh, was far, far more predictable and also far smarter. Uh, they took Ned, Ned Grabovoy, um, so Jason Christ will get a guy that he used to build around uh, up there. Um, I guess we should first focus on, uh, now that we've focused on the first two players, um, the DC United players that were taken, uh, Orlando City took Lewis Neal, uh, he previously had played there in 2011, um, actually scored their first goal that Orlando City had ever had, and then also scored in their playoff run. I believe he scored a, an overtime playoff winner, and then in the championship game he scored a very late equalizer that took them into penalty kicks, uh, and then he converted a penalty, and they ended up winning the championship. Uh, so Lewis Neal, a big, a big part of Orlando's early history. Not that they've got a long history, but... Um, much he like, on, he only scores ridiculous goals. Right. Uh, much like he was here, he has a knack for being a cult hero, uh, and I don't know that they're going to use him as a starter, but he's definitely going to play probably a similar number of minutes as he played here um, off the bench. Uh, kind of sucks that he's gone, but at the same time, uh, Davy Arnaud was who we, we we then withdrew Davy Arnaud from contention. Uh, he couldn't be picked, and I've got to say that that is if it was one of those two players, I'm glad it went the way it did. Uh, did you guys have any particular Lewis Neal uh, reaction other than sadness, but also relief? I mean, yeah, I had sadness, relief, sadness, relief, and then also even more excitement because of the fact that the team gets an additional $50,000 in allocation money uh, because Lewis Neal was taken. And getting $50,000 in money for 
someone on the back end of his career like Lewis Neal. I mean, I don't think you'd be able to make that move in the open market in MLS. So the fact that we were able to get it in the expansion draft helps ease the blow a little bit. I, I will say that there was a somewhat dubious rumor out there that New York City had offered uh, $300,000 in allocation for Ryan Mira, uh, which... But that could have been from... There are other rumors say that might have been just cribbed from football. Right, right, right. and that's why, that's why I say it's a dubious rumor, um, because if someone offered you $300,000 for Ryan Mira, you would laugh hysterically and then say, yeah, okay, I take the deal. Um, <laughs> right. And then, and then you would throw a party. You would blow about 100000 of it just on partying, <laughs> and you would still come out about $150,000 ahead on that deal. Because Ryan Mira <laughs> isn't actually that good. Um, he, speaking of Ryan Mira, has actually been uh, loaned from New York, uh, from, the, from the Red Bulls to New York City uh, for the season in exchange for, what was it? South Zizo. South which, uh, I mean, I feel like they should have gotten the full... South Zizo himself is worth at least Ryan Mira, but um, apparently in New York, uh, what you do is you misunderstand how how to evaluate goalkeepers, and you tell us that Luis Robles is amazing. Um, he should be he, on the national team ahead of Sean Johnson, Bill Hamid, Brad Guzan, and Tim Howard. Tim Howard, <laughs> Tony Miola, Brad Friedel, Jesus. Um, <laughs> that's that's Klinsman's next move is to call up Jesus from from just <laughs> the Bible. It, it'll instead of saying what league or team, it'll just say from the Bible. <laughs> And that'll solve our problems, uh, at least in the back. We still can, will can have he, problems going forward. Will he be able to put a one-time switch in? Uh, yeah, that would be problematic, wouldn't it? He's never appeared uh, for Israel, so... Okay. Um, I assume his eligibility is still out there. We'd have to get him citizenship, though. Um, but but I feel like that would be an easy one. I don't, I don't think politically there'd be too many people that would stand in the way of a Jesus citizenship appeal. <laughs> um, I feel like that would be politically problematic for uh, for anyone to say, like, well, hold on now. That guy doesn't even live here. Uh, which, yeah, you know, people, there would be people arguing that he's everywhere, and it, it gets very complicated very fast. He'd be a crappy goalkeeper, though, jeez. He can well, do uh, it, uh, apparently anything. Um, <laughs> From what I've been told, Jesus saves. Well, I would hold out. I personally would hold out for the the citizenship for Werewolf Jesus, who, as we all know, is the single <laughs> most fearsome uh, creature imagined or or really lived in history. Uh, no one has ever topped Werewolf <laughs> Jesus, and I fear that no one ever will. I, I also fear that if we put him on the on the field, it would not end well. We would just have an end of soccer, is what would happen. Um, but for like five minutes, we would be unstoppable. I feel like. It would just be eventually the werewolf would, would become too pronounced, and then all of a sudden you've got a man assaulting people and murdering them. And that's not what you want. That's not how you win soccer games. Uh, the other player that uh, DC and I had lost, and this is a real sad one for me, is Thomas Mack, who we just got from Chicago's USA. Um, he was taken by New York City late in the draft. Um McNamara was a rookie of the year front runner for the brief amount of time he played before he tore his ACL. Um, 
He doesn't look like a professional soccer player other than his mullet. Um, and yet he plays he plays uh, the kind of game that you would expect from a guy from the 1990s that was like a number 10 for a team in Argentina. Um, he is not from that place or time. He's from upstate New York. Um, he's a, he is just a, a regular dude who happens to have a mullet. Um, my my one friend that I, I go to games with a lot, my friend Brian, uh, is a former Brown University soccer player, and McNamara spent most of his college career at Brown. And I assume that he was as excited as I was for slightly different reasons. I just wanted there to be a mulleted... Um, Kind of, kind of crazy, uh, very creative attacking player available on the team. Uh, but New York, uh, perhaps uh, to their credit, was smart enough to take him away from us, which kind of it's it's terrible. But also, he never played for us or even appeared at RFK as a DC United player. Um, he was still in California rehabbing his ACL. So uh, I suppose it's mourning over a player that that only formally was uh, under a technicality was a DC United player. Um, I still kind of want to go buy a McNamara question mark Jersey. Um, <laughs> but uh, I suppose that would be a waste of money at this point. Um, did you guys looking over the list of players DC had left out there? Um, are you satisfied with how this turned out, even though we lost two players or, or would you have preferred uh, someone grab like Kyle Porter? Or Nanatakora. I mean, you know, you, you take a look at McNamara. Well, putting putting whatever weight you want to put into the to the players' union numbers as much as possible. Um, McNamara was sixty thousand guaranteed. Uh, Lewis Neal was one hundred and five, about one hundred and five, one hundred and six guaranteed. Um, those come off the books. We get, I think, if if Ben's number was right, fifty thousand for each player that was pulled. So that's another hundred thousand. And you've got the deals that DC made with NYCFC and OCFC, CCCFC, C. Um, you know, so w- you WCF BBQ. Yeah. So I mean, you're you're looking. You know, I think you're looking probably in the neighborhood of about probably upwards of, of three hundred thousand dollars that the team you know freed from its books by just these two players and, and the actions surrounding the draft. Um, I, I think the comment I made at, at the time was I, I don't know who's working in, in Dave Casper's office, but whoever it is, kudos to him. Um, you know, McNamara was going to be a long term kind of player that, that would see spot starts. Neil would be a, a sub that, that would, you know, see an occasional start or two probably, um, you know, the, the more we got into open cup and, and CONCACAF play. So, I mean, you know, obviously the, there's there's the flip side of, of how do we fill those needs, but, I mean, you know, just on the surface, it, it looks like a win from for D.C. because, they, they A, they didn't lose a heck of a lot, and, and B, they seem to have a lot more options to, in terms of what to do with the roster next year. Ben, did you, uh, did you more or less agree with that, or was there anyone else that uh, you were worried about losing that maybe we avoided losing? No, I mean, I basically agree with that. I mean, I didn't want to protect Kofi Apare, for example, but I would have been more sad losing him 
than losing either uh, Tommy McNamara or Lewis Neal. Um, same goes with, obviously, uh, e- even at this point, I, yes, I would have been far sadder to lose Eddie Johnson uh, as well, Chris Korb. I, all, the, all of those players I would have been far more upset to lose than the players who were actually taken. So combine that with the allocation money that we receive, uh, even if it isn't the 100000 it's going to be a decent amount of money. So all of that combined, I think it's... I mean, it's basically as good as you could have expected going into it. Yeah, I mean, I I will say that uh, getting the Protect Dave here node was nice. Um, not having him be the first guy off the board for us because we're already thin at central midfield. Even even with Lewis Neal leaving, um, we were thin at central midfield before that. Um, and you don't want to lose your when you're already thin. You don't want to lose your top line players. And Kitchen was in no danger of leaving, but Arnaud was out there. Um, and I did see a couple of mock drafts that had him going. Um, I believe the SB Nation mock draft. Uh, uh, was one of those that that had him coming yeah. off uh, the board. Um, his age is a deterrent, and I think that's why he was left out there. It, this is why it's not a um, protect your eleven starters for next season uh, drill. It's it's much more about um, sort of gauging the other team's interests and and protecting the guys that you think will uh, be taken. I think um, Jim Curtin was actually having to explain this to the Philadelphia press because. Uh, they were once again giving him a hard time because Pedro Ribeiro was taken, um, and Ribeiro was an early pick for them, and they talked about his future there, even though for Hackworth he was a center back some of the time and then a midfielder, and then when Curtin came in, he was a midfielder that they were playing at striker all the time for no real reason other than that it's Philadelphia and they don't know what they're doing. Um and he was trying to explain why they protected certain players and um, why uh, Ribeiro was 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 able to be picked. What whereas Fabinho, uh, who didn't start and was most people assumed was leaving, was protected. And Curtin said that they get trade offers for Fabinho all the time. So there are some things we don't know with this. You know, the list. You look at it and you're like, well, what's going on here? Um, but we don't know what players that certain player or certain teams are after for whatever reason. I personally don't know why Philadelphia was getting apparently a lot of trade offers for Fabinho. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a strange one, but uh, if someone out there is, is calling them over and over again, then I guess they, they had a reason to do what they did. Um, I would love to know which team that was just to laugh at them. I hope it's not us. That would be discouraging. Oh, uh, but, uh, the other the other players uh, that really highlight, or the other players that are, are highlights for this, uh, Patrick Mullins was taken by New York City, um, which was uh, an interesting thing for New England having to tell their players the day after or the day of, literally the night uh, that followed the evening that followed MLS Cup. Uh, apparently, they were in there telling their players which ones had their options denied and who was being unprotected and all that. Um, they I, opted I to. Go ahead. And Mullins, Mullins had the game tying assist, and then taken yes. an expansion draft the next uh, the next week. Um, and and the you know it's it, I suppose it's not too much of a surprise given that he wasn't playing as much. But uh, Daigo Kobayashi, I'm not sure has the long term future that Mullins does. 
Um, but that's New England's problem. Um, New England also had Tony Taylor selected, and I think the reaction that a lot of people had was, who is Tony Taylor? Um, <laughs> who he, he was a U.S. youth international, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's one of the guys that signed with um, Traffic Sports. I think they placed him in Portugal somewhere, and promptly, as everyone that signs with Traffic Sports finds out, uh, you get forgotten, and you don't get to play, and then you fall off the radar entirely. Uh, see also Galeag Bustamante, who was unprotected and not taken uh, in this in this draft. Um, George John uh, could be a huge acquisition for New York, uh, but only if his knee is actually repaired. He's had, uh, I think I read that there was a second or third attempt to repair it, so he's in Chris Pontius territory in terms of uh, multiple surgeries on the same injury. Um, but if he comes around, he's a best 11 contender at center back, which uh, isn't a, a nice thing to have, as we found out this year with Bobby Boswell. Um, having well, a best 11... Go ahead. I was going to say, he'll be partnering up with, with Chris Winger as it is. So, I mean, even if George John isn't healthy for the year, I mean, you, you take a look at what... You know, New York has, has got him back. They've got they've got Winger, they've got Josh Williams, they've got a, a personal favorite of mine, Kwame Watson Siribo, who doesn't hesitate to to get in the face of anybody that they kind of <laughs> uh, they, that he kind of marks. There, I mean, on the outside, they're going to have Jeb Brofsky. Uh They they picked up Jason Fernandez as well. So, I mean. Overall, I mean, not not to kind of you know devolve in, into this type of area, but you know, granted, Orlando City went for kind of the, the the name picks and and has been going for the name picks, but you can you can easily see that that Christ went a little bit smarter when it came to to his picks on the whole. Plus, he still has you know David Villa and you know Frank Lambert Lambert Lampart. Um, Maybe. when he comes when, <laughs> when he comes when, when he comes in and, and plays after the all star game. So Right. Uh for those final ten games of the season they'll have a, a full team. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I guess I guess contrasting that with, with Orlando is is valid because Orlando, you know, they, they ended up with Danny Mwanga who they could have gotten for free if they just waited another day and then just signed him. Um because Danny, no, no Danny Mwanga, who got, I, I was going to say Mwanga got into a fight with someone on the Rapids either at halftime or after after the game this year. This is something that yeah, that, Chris Bianchi had had reported on. I right. forget who the other player was. Um, and, and it was a game in which Mwanga wasn't even in the squad. He was just there. Yep. Uh, to support, and I'm using that Edson Buttle. That's who it was. Um, support his teammates by fighting him. Um, but but that was a player they they didn't need to use an expansion draft uh, spot on um, the the Rickett selection. Uh, I believe my reaction at the time was to just start laughing, uh, and I know I wasn't the only one laughing at that. Um, they've made some good moves. I mean, Omobia Kugo uh, and getting him to sign rather than go to Europe was a was a pretty good pickup. Um, Tony Cassio was underrated. I think he's going to play a, a, a part for them. He did well in Houston until, like everyone in Houston this year, on both the Dynamo and the Dash, he tore his ACL. Um, Jairo Arrieta was another player that Columbus had made clear they weren't bringing back. I think they could have left that signing for later. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, I, I think if I had to take one roster or the other right now, I would take New York City, even with the the financial issue of having David Villa and Frank Lampard taking up all the, all that cap space. I would still take their roster and hope for George John to come through rather than, uh, you know, roll with a roster where Danny Mwanga, he'll probably get cut in the preseason. Um, New, the New York Cosmos didn't even want him at the NASL level. Um, Pedro Ribeiro, you know, Philadelphia couldn't, Philadelphia may have damaged him beyond repair just from their general being the union. Um, so there are a few issues there, but, but I think Orlando also wants to play a very different sort of game from uh, New York, and I think they've made that abundantly clear with some of the players they've taken. Um, not that they're going to be defensive, but they're going to be direct, and they're going to be unpleasant uh, in a lot of a lot of ways. Um, Okugo is actually going to be kind of the oddball in there because Okugo is a big guy, but he actually wants to play a clean game uh, where the ball's on the ground and uh, you use your brain, uh, not your elbows primarily. Um, whereas his teammates are going to be Aurelian Collin throwing elbows at people. And uh, maybe everyone will be just trying to protect Kaká. Um, maybe maybe he'll be, he and Okugo will be like, what happened here? Um, maybe Lewis Neal can hang out with them, and they can discuss uh, what it's like to not elbow people in the face. Um, but I think Orlando is going to be a team that likes to elbow people in the face. Um Ben, you've seen them a lot. Do you do you expect that stylistically from them, or 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 is that just the impression their fans may have given? No, yes, I totally expect that from them, and I think a lot of DC United fans, especially in our hate post, are sleeping on the eminent hateability of Orlando City FC, uh, SC. <laughs> yes, they have an SC in their name. That's great. Whatever. Just wait. Like. In a friendly against uh, the uh, against Tampa Bay, against the Tampa Bay Rowdies, they had all of their supporters groups suspended for beating up children. This is an eminently hateable group of fans, and they are arrogant. They are they came into USL Pro just thinking they were going to run over everything, and unfortunately, they were actually able to run over everything. So it only further fueled their arrogance, and they're bringing that same arrogance to MLS. So I'm really going to enjoy all of the rest of the DC United fan base realizing just how hateable Orlando City is next year. The the year that the Kickers won the the, the championship with um, uh, the Commissioner's Cup last not yeah. this past year but the year before. When was it? Uh, how long ago was it when John D. Raimondo was on loan from United for one game and scored in the championship? Um, was that a few oh, years? Oh, that must have been two thousand nine, okay. eight, something so that like before, that. That was before Orlando existed. Well, right? before Orlando City existed. Right. Yes. Um, this this is a very much uh, not uh, not at all related to what we're saying, but Taylor Twelman has dropped another nugget on Twitter. That I think we need to talk about. All right. Uh, surprise us. Uh, I'm, I'm not looking at Twitter right now, so w- what's happening? Garth Lagerway is apparently going to the Seattle Sounders. Oh, no. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> I agree. It's awful and terrible and wait, the worst thing Wait, ever. so what is Adrian Hanauer going to do? He's got ownership stake in the team. Yeah, he, 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 he has the team. He'll just, he'll just rake in the money. 
But I feel like he kind of enjoys the uh, soccer decision-making, unless Lagerwey is going to be like don't, a step removed from that. Don't question the Twelman. No, I know that, but well, I mean, how does yeah. it work? <laughs> they'll I just they'll feel have ba- to figure it out. Yeah. I, I just feel bad for our Toronto FC friends. Right, because they were once again uh, promised a solution, uh, but now they'll just have... The thing is, Toronto will still abruptly change whatever their plan is. Well, yeah, uh, it just, but... It just now it won't be a good person in charge. It'll be some other guy. Um, maybe Paul Mariner can come back and make some decisions there again. It's still uh, better than uh, what uh, well. what what the New York Red Bulls are going to apparently have as their sporting director. Oh, yeah, uh, Tom Stones. Or Kurt Anolfo. Oh, really? I hadn't, I hadn't heard the Anolfo thing. They, yes, they, they're... They're two of the three. I forget who the other one is. I want to say Campos, but... uh, I I, I will say that Sohn and Anolfo are where they should be, which is assistant coaches. (laughs) Uh, And I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, Sohn was an excellent assistant coach by all accounts before he got hired here. Um, Kurt Anolfo had been making a solid career as an assistant. Um, He had been a, a scout for Bob Bradley with the national team. Um... He had done well at that, uh, and then they found that head coach is a whole different animal, and it didn't go well. Uh, Sohn has had a director of soccer or whatever you'd like to call it, the eight or nine different names you can call that position. He did that in Vancouver, and it didn't go all that well, though part of the problem was just having um, – they had uh, Titor Thordarsson as their first coach. He, was actually, he wasn't doing too badly, and they fired him. Um, and then after that, it's been uh, Carl Robinson did well this year, but before that, they had Martin Rennie and his uh, how many defensive midfielders can I field at once uh, strategy, um, which I believe his record ended up just being <laughs> a, a year too early for that, by the way. <laughs> right, because um, because uh, if you could find some sort of happy balance between fielding all of your fast players at once and Pedro Morales versus. Rennie's plan of, I'm going to leave Darren Maddox up here, and then all my other midfielders are going to stand within a six-yard radius of each other. They're going to be uncomfortably close. Um, what's the child tethering device that people sometimes have as a child leash? You just buy six of those and strap them to each defensive midfielder, so they literally have to work as one. Um, and that almost got them past L.A. in the playoffs that one time, uh, which would have been sad in its own way. I can't say it would have been too sad because, you know, it's the Galaxy and screw them. But uh, it certainly wasn't the best thing for soccer. But uh, that's maybe the theme of this episode is things that are bad for soccer. Uh, <laughs> and playing six defensive midfielders is among those things that are bad. Um, I guess uh, now we should move on to the Twitter box, unless you guys had anything else. Zippy skippy. No, Garth Lagerway going to Seattle is also bad for soccer, but... Uh, yeah, it's, it's bad for all of us, uh, but they have endless money. This is what happens when you get a stadium and or you get to have a lot of fans, is that... Well, and when you also have a billionaire as your ownership, in your right, ownership but, group. But you get to hire people uh, and do things that you couldn't normally do, whereas in the past uh, we've had we've heard tales of people being interviewed for the D.C. United job or various jobs and saying, ah, no thanks. Um, now, uh, in the in a stadium-having world, uh, people won't necessarily say no thanks uh, on that. So that, that might be nice down the road. Um, but that's neither here nor there. 
Um, I guess we'll go with the Twitter box, which, uh, Ben, do you have that pulled up, or should I track that down? Sure, I can get it. Hold on just one second. Scroll, scroll, scroll. First well, question. Okay, that, that didn't take long. No, it didn't. At <laughs> uh, Vamos underscore DCU asks us, what should we do with all the Garber bucks? And that kind of uh, ties into another question that uh, S.T. Waldman had, which was, if you could make any signing in the world for DCU this winter that is realistic, what would it be? Do you want to mash these questions together? Yes, I do. (laughs) Um, I I suppose I would like to see uh, a central midfield duo that has a longer-term future. There's nothing wrong with Davey Arnaud, but um, he is... Hashtag old. He's nearing the end of his career, um, and he plays a very demanding position. Um, And that's, as we've seen with other... Dwayne DiRosario looked as fit as can be, uh, and then all of a sudden wasn't. Um, and we don't want to see that happen again. And, and by all accounts, you know, Arnaud appears to be very fit. The training staff has talked about uh, how fit he is. But um, I think long-term we need to do something there, um, whether that's just grooming the, uh, Colin Martin for the, the job, in which case you'd need to look somewhere else for this hypothetical. But... Uh, um, in the time being, I'd like to see a big name there in a number eight role. I, I mean, we won't see a really big name. We won't see a uh, Lampard or, or David Villa sort of player there until we're in a new stadium. Uh, and then after that, we'll see exactly how much money the team's willing to invest. Um, but I guess since we're doing hypotheticals and we're connecting dots that aren't there, um, I would like to see... Uh, Eric Toe here use his Inter Milan connections to bring Wesley Snyder... Uh, to DC United because <laughs> why not? Uh, it would be crazy and we can't afford it, but sometimes you have to do something stupid. And and I feel like that would be the sort of reckless uh, and, and amazing, potentially amazing or disastrous, as we learned in 2008, uh, move that, hmm. that would, would terrify somebody, whether it be us or the rest of the, the league, I don't know, but someone would be terrified and that's good. Big fan of terror. That's Ryan, what do you think? What do you think DC United needs this off season with the Garber Bucks? Um, well, I, I'd probably go along the lines of what, what Jason was saying in terms of like trying to get a uh, <clears throat> trying to get an eight. Um, I, I know that they're not going to give up anybody like, and when it comes to to the uh, collaborating agreement, um, there, there isn't anybody like. Uh, Freddie Guarine or, or Medell that they would give up anytime soon. Um, if we're looking at outliers, um, I, I know I, I posted something earlier um, that that they may have been kicking the tires on Paulo Cesar Arango, who is a uh, Colombian who fits that mold, who who played in um, Cali for a few years uh, over a couple of different stints. The only other one that I can think of that they would maybe consider making a move for that's that's kind of similar in that that outlier mode is is a guy named Marcus Neumeyer. Um, plays in the Swiss league. He's a he's a tall like six six foot six one 
um, guy who can kind of play is as that eight. He's he's done it. Um, mostly in the Swiss league, he's he's seen some some youth time with Eintracht and with with uh, me and you. Um, so I would presume he would be physical enough to kind of handle the the, the rigors of of MLS as as Arango would. Um, but in terms of anything past that, I think that would probably be the, the main focus. Um, and, and I think to, to DC's credit, they've looked at that before. Um, they, they've swung and missed uh, in a couple. Um, they've had um, folks walk away from presentations before. Um, so, I, I mean, it's, it's a matter of, I guess, kind of, it's like that scene in Star Wars where it's, you know, the, the X-Wing and the TIE Fighter, they, they're kind of like zigging and zagging kind of erratically out of position before they kind of lock in. So I think they're, they're still trying to figure out all that stuff. So, I mean, so yeah, I, I think long story short, look at an eight, um, look at an eight that you think would handle the physicality of MLS. Um, and uh, hope for the best at this point. So, anyway, yeah, I agree with both of you. So, there's not really much else to say. So, I'll move on to the other Twitter box question, which is, why would anyone vote against Chris Rolf in our Cake or Death, River or Life, Yes or No, Goat or Fox series? Because somebody uh, did. I I would say the reason. Uh, he had votes against him. It has to be someone vote. from... Vote, not votes. Sing, vote. All right. The, the single vote against Chris Rolf is almost certainly from the uh, big agricultural uh, side of things. It's somebody from, like, Monsanto <laughs> uh, voting against him for his uh, his farm-friendly uh, personal life and his dietary choices. And, and not just that, not that he lives like that, but that he tells people that they should join him in that. And I feel like uh, those companies might be petty enough to say, you know what, screw you, Chris Roth, and vote against him in a poll on an internet site. Completely agree that it would be big gluten. <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah, I have nothing else to add. Which there. um, wait, <laughs> I've gone blank. Uh, Michael Clayton. Uh, in Michael Clayton, uh, it was a. Uh, there was malfeasance uh, from a. Uh, I, th- I think it was actually. I, did they not? Did they name Monsanto in that as the company committing the malfeasance against uh, a farmer? Um, I could be remembering this incorrectly, but I believe Michael Clayton kind was of like an equivalent of it. Yeah. Right. So, so you know, if they're willing to do that, they might also be willing to vote against Chris Rolf um, for saying that maybe you should go to like a farmer's market sometimes to buy things. Um, or maybe it's like a Chipotle competitor because he's also a big Chipotle fan. So it could be like um, the president of uh, Qdoba or our Moe's Southwestern Grill. Um, <laughs> we have to stretch I, at this point. It's it's Chris Rolf getting one vote out of like 120-something votes, and he gets one vote against him. So um, you have to assume it's something ridiculous. Otherwise, it's just too boring to discuss. Exactly. Or, or maybe Chris Rolf was was kind of going up the MLS and Chipotle uh, endorsement and chain. So maybe this is actually Kai Kamara coming in and like trying to put down some sort of smack. Oh yeah, because uh, now now that Kamara is back, he's go he's going to reclaim his um, number one Chipotle fan status. Uh, yeah. in, in that he's going to be buying the people of Columbus uh, 
Chipotle meals as, as, as pretty soon, I would assume. The Chipotle black card. He be, he he better be anyway. That would be kind of a rip off for crew fans if if he was like, no, I don't want to buy you guys anything. <laughs> what happened? What about in Kansas City? Like, oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, that is how I would want him to explain uh, explain why he wasn't purchasing them. It's like I don't remember that. Um, and is that it for the Twitter box? Is that all we got? That's it. No one, no one sent us anything about goats or or legal advice or both. It is my legal he, advice to you that that is the end of the Twitter box. Oh man, we need we need to maybe make it clear to people that this is a show in which uh, goats and legal advice are uh, regular topics of conversation. Um, and if you want to write us anything, please ask us some questions about goats or legal advice. And it basically guarantees that you'll get on the show uh, or legal yeah. advice involving goats. That would be the best. Um, if you want to ask us or any, goats dispensing legal advice, right? Yeah, yeah. Any, any any combination of these two things, where wherein uh, perhaps it's a, a court run by goats or a, that, a goat that would be a court. That would be a Judge Judy type show. I would watch in DVR immediately. <laughs> and and I assume that anyone that still listens to this show uh, has to feel the same way because honestly, we're we're spending a good five minutes on goats um, and not even really talking about goats. We're just saying that in general, it's a subject that we like. Um, Adam is, I hope, listening to this whole episode and is just tearing his hair out. Um, as as he hears this, because he can't even cut in with his objections, um, and we can't give him legal advice about how his objections will be uh, denied. His, his, his objections yes, are goaded for the record. <laughs> uh, so I I assume that we've kind of we've covered all the things we were going to cover, uh, and also several things that. Definitely weren't planned. I did not plan on talking about the Warriors. That just happened. Um, and now I can't get the image of the orphans out of out of my head. The orphans was the gang that they weren't even cool enough to come to the main thing at the beginning. That they, they were no good. Uh, they were to be mocked, and 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 they were mocked and and uh, scared off with a Molotov cocktail. Um, so now that we've got that out of the way, uh, I suppose I should just end the show. Is that a good idea? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, we can be con- I don't remember how Adam, I I can't remember it off the top of my head how Adam ends the show. Um, you can email us uh, at filibusterpodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, send us hate mail or goat mail or legal mail. Um, Adam can't answer your legal mail, but Ben and I will be glad to. Uh, just know that we're not lawyers. Adam Adam will answer your goat mail though. Yes, at, at all goat mail attention. Uh, make sure to include an attention for Adam Taylor. Um, all legal mail, make sure that you, you understand that you're going to get bad advice from me or Ben that is designed to make us laugh. Basically. And neither of us are lawyers. No, we're not lawyers. We can't help you, uh, but we we can help ourselves, and we'll try to do that. Um, <laughs> we, we're on Twitter uh, at uh, filibusterdcu. Um, blackandredunited.com is the blog that, that the three of us write for. No one has made us stop yet. Uh, which is is how that's going to go until someone comes in and stops us. We'll keep going. It's also how we're still on a podcast. No one comes in and stops you. It turns out. 
No one just kicks in your door and says, hey, cut it out. Uh, next week, tune in when Adam kicks in our doors uh, and stops us from podcasting. And it's going to be it's gonna be tough because we live far apart. He's going to try and pull it off, I think, after this. Um, for, for Ryan and Ben uh, and myself and for Adam, uh, who, who is a huge fan of goats, uh, this is Jason. Uh, I, I don't know how to end the show now. Um, say goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Jason.